Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to the highly productive comic book writer and novelist, Madeline Holly Rosing, about what comics she would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I've got a few bits of news. Uh, first, some of you may have seen on Twitter and the like, my most recent Kickstarter, Beyond Milford Green, is now at 70% funded with about 20 days to go. And although we're well on our way, if you like the idea of Star Trek with a Victorian twist, be sure to check it out on Kickstarter by following signalcomics.com forward slash beyond. Secondly, the Comics for the Apocalypse Reddit community, where you can see all of my guests' answers and discuss them with fellow listeners, has had some fan activity going on this past week. So if you'd like to get involved in that, go to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash comics apocalypse. And lastly, we've had our second five-star review on iTunes, so thanks very much to Andy from Horde Comics. If you do enjoy today's show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe it helps make others aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Madeline Holly Rosing. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's quite all right. It's a real pleasure to have our first guest from across the pond. And (laughs) you're not just from just across the pond on the East Coast. You're from all the way on the West Coast. Um, So I really, really appreciate our our calendars kind of matching up and being able to make this happen. Um, Now, um, we kind of first connected last year when I launched my first Kickstarter, Milford Green. Um, yes. And you were running um, a Kickstarter as well, Boston Metaphysical Society, and it was the Scourge of the Mechanical Man. Yeah, the Scourge of the Mechanical Man. Me- the Mechanical Man, yes, of course. It was great, um, kind of, you know, um, ending in this kind of massive mechanic- mechanical men um which was absolutely brilliant um but uh before we get into um your comics for the apocalypse for for anybody that that hasn't heard of you before what do you do in the world of comics i am the writer creator of a a steampunk supernatural series called boston metaphysical society uh the um, basic premise is about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. We started out as a six-issue miniseries that went to trade, uh, I guess it would be two years ago now. Uh, and then we have been following up with a, a variety of things. Um, our first standalone continuation of the series was The Scourge of the Mechanical Men. Uh, a Granville Woods and Nikola Tesla story. And we're currently running a Kickstarter for the next standalone continuation uh, called The Spirit of Rebellion, a Caitlin O'Sullivan story. She's the uh, the medium and spirit photographer in, in the main story. Um, and I also have short stories, novellas, and the first novel in the universe came out last fall called um, A Storm of Secrets. So we're kind of hitting all the bases here. <laughs> Straight up, you have been very, very busy this past year um, yes. with all sorts of things. Uh, but where where can people find you? 
well, our website is www.bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. And like I mentioned, we're currently on Kickstarter for uh, The Spirit of Rebellion. And we started last week on the 23rd and end on February 22nd. I am happy to say that we are fully funded and actually I think we're about 160% funded right now. So we're into some fabulous stretch goals for everybody. Excellent. So jump on board. Yeah, I did, have, I did today. <laughs> yes, I saw that. We have more to come. Um, well, yeah, I haven't even, we made our second stretch goal already. I just even haven't Brilliant. announced it yet because things have been going so rapidly and I don't like to, I don't like to pummel the backers with too many updates because mm. I think it's annoying. Yeah. So um, I'm probably going to wait till tomorrow and because um, uh, we'll, I think we'll probably get to our third stretch goal by tomorrow um, so I can announce the fourth one. And then I guess I have to Gosh. start thinking more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what do I do next? <laughs> Sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. Um, so, um, firstly, thanks for, for coming on to Comics for the Apocalypse. Um, and we're going we're gonna to start off with our, with our first initial question for everybody on the podcast which is what type of apocalypse would you like to be in or what type of apocalypse do you think you'd survive in? Well, preferably I'd rather not be in, a, in an apocalypse. Of course, of course. Because <laughs> I'm a really big fan of, you know, running water, food, you know, things like that. <laughs> um, but uh, I know most people would probably say like a zombie thing, but I got to tell you, I... I'm not a big fan of the zombie genre, <laughs> so yeah. I did say I might save a pandemic, and then while I'm sitting here, I realize that a zombie apocalypse is just another form of a pandemic, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, I think the stakes are slightly higher, because everybody that does die ends up wanting to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's just, that's annoying. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, so, so we're in a pandemic. You're in LA, um, yeah. and this pandemic breaks out, right? You're in your house. Um, yes. What do you do? Because, you know, there's, there's riots downtown, um, and it's starting to come uh, towards the suburbs. Uh, well, fortunately, you have to understand something when you live in Los Angeles, and particularly right. California. Um, you need to be prepared for a major earthquake or flood or fire at pretty much any time. Uh, so we are. So we already have antibiotics on that we keep in the house. We already have our Amazing. own water. We already have our own food. Oh, um, you are we have <laughs> We have spray our propane. Um, this is the realities of living in an area where a major earthquake could happen and no help can get to you for maybe a week. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, if you live in Southern California, you're probably a little bit more prepared than maybe the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it, because uh, it sounds like you're ticking all the boxes there. Um, and uh, so you're, you're well prepared now in your own home. You've got everything yes. you need. Um, so everything's on lockdown in that respect. Uh, yes. But, you know, the power goes down and it's kind of a dark evening and there's nothing much to do. But 
in your household the conversation of comics come up um and the first question that comes up is what's the first comic you remember enjoying i just have to add we have our own generator (laughs) okay the generators just bust (laughs) (laughs) boom (laughs) or or, or is it like a diesel generator or it it is a gas one so it's horribly noisy yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so that kind be... of the mechanics have gone dodgy on it, so it's it's, it's okay, not functioning okay. until tomorrow. <laughs> See, I have the benefit of um, being married to an engineer. Amazing, <laughs> that's what it's about. <laughs> so yeah, so he's gonna he's he's gonna fix it tomorrow. That's yeah, fine. Really, uh, but but, really but tonight we're on, we're on candlelight. <laughs> okay, first comic, first comic. Um, well, a little bit of a story behind that. Um, my brother probably has the largest graded collection of Daredevil comics in the United States, wow. if not close to it. Holy smokes. But he hasn't read any of them. <laughs> and I know. He just collects them and makes them all pretty. Um, but I just... So, yeah, he had superhero comics around, but superhero comics just never never appealed to me there was nothing that i could identify with at all mm. and so i came to comics really late and i must say it was probably about god 20 years ago that a friend of mine said like oh you'd really like this you love sci-fi and he loaned me his alien graphic novel done by hr geiger Amazing. and uh, it was it was pretty damn impressive because I mean I love the alien my one of my favorite movies is Aliens the second one yeah so um I, I absolutely loved reading that but yeah I grew up reading mostly novels and I didn't really start reading uh, a lot of comics till I started developing Boston Metaphysical Man. and and then I got pissed off. Because no one had told me about independent comics. What? Yeah. No, I had no idea. And then once I started reading independent comics, I went like, why has no one told me about this before? Uh, It was was phenomenal. Um, And then I just start reading, my God, you know, you know, Why the Last Man, Lock and Key. I mean, just, you know, on and on and on. Um, uh, So, yeah. That would be the answer to that. Yeah, so Alien. alien. Um, so alien. What, what was it that kind of really jumped out at you reading that? Well, I guess that goes into uh, your number five question um, about scariest or most, hor- most horrifying comic, um, yeah. which uh, would be the same. And when I read it, I mean, at the time, I, I obviously wasn't versed in comic art and you know sequential art and comic writing at the time but the one thing that struck me was the colors and the colors he chose and as you know and as anyone in in sequential you know art sequential art would know colors affect the brain in a different way yeah you know different colors affect the brain in different ways and i think the color palette he used just made it terrifying wow absolutely terrifying i mean there was just something about it that just made me so uneasy and like 
I don't think I want to read this anymore. Yeah, yeah it's actually starting to creep you out. Like, yeah, it, really, it, it does. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a reason why, you know, Burger King and McDonald's uh, uses orange mm. um, in their restaurants. And that's because the, le- the color orange pings your brain in a way that you don't want to stay there very long. Right. So they that's the way, one of the ways they rapidly move people in and out of fast food restaurants is by the color. Because huh. your brain doesn't want to be there. Wow, that's amazing. Um yeah. and um for uh just so uh kind of the the listeners get a feel for the story, is it is it an adaptation of the movie, the graphic novel, yeah. or is it a new story? It's I'm trying to remember. I read it so long ago. I don't yeah. really remember. I seem to think it was somewhat close to the movie. There may yeah. have been some slight I think changes. Slight changes, but I think it was pretty close. It was pretty much an adaptation. Cool. Um, and the art, art and colors were the, was the thing that really kind of jumped out of, at you. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Cool. Um, so the next question that comes up by candlelight uh, is what's the funniest or comic that made you laugh out loud the most? Um, and well, people will probably think this is funny that I chose it. Uh, lady killer <laughs> by uh, Joel Jones. Uh, great. It's so good. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, just it's a, it's a whole, genius concept. It, it is just the whole concept of having, uh, you know, 1950s female assassin who loves her family. She loves being a housewife. She will do anything to get dinner on the table by 6 p.m., but she's the best damn assassin you've ever met, <laughs> and she really likes that too. Amazing. So you have this really complex character and that you would think the two sides of her personality are at odds, but they're really not. It's just part of a complete character. And I always enjoyed, you know, the different methods of how, you know, she cleaned up um, her assassinations. And um, I'd have to, I didn't dig it out, but if you get the, uh, the trade, in the back of the trade, uh, they show um, the pitch ads that they right. use to go pitch it over a dark horse. Right. And they're hysterical. They're absolutely hysterical. Love uh, because they did, you know, kind of, you know, flip on 1950s ads for, you know, the trunk of your car. So it would, you know, fit the right amount of bodies and, you know, things like that. <laughs> um, and also, well, they, my, my husband, who's not a, a comics guy whatsoever, absolutely loves Lady Killer. Um, and the art is spectacular, particularly because now I, the research they did was phenomenal because I don't know if they had some sunbeam mixers in the 1950s in England or not, but mm. they were all the rage here in the United right. States in the 1950s. And there's a Felix the Cat clock on the wall <laughs> and the sunbeam mixer. And it's like, oh, my God, she got everything right. And she also got right uh, how women were taught to sit back then. Really? Um, yes. Wow. You have, you have to understand something. I mean, I was taught this because, well, my mom was was an older mom. 
that when you're wearing a skirt, you brush your hands down around, you know, your butt and and bring the skirt so it lays flat on the chair. Right. And you sit at the edge of the chair with your knees together and your ankles crossed and you sit up straight. You never lean back ever. Wow. I mean, I was taught that I can do that. I never do it, but I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but even had her doing that, just perfectly sitting on the edge of that chair. Anyway, it's just, it's brilliant. So if anyone listening has not read Lady Killer, go get it now. Like now. Amazing. <laughs> Superb. So very, very well researched and, and very, very yes. clever. Um, what a brilliant comic. Are there, are there any kind of standout moments for you during the actual comic? Um. I I read it a while ago, so nothing comes to mind right right off the top of my head. Sorry. No, no it's all good, but um, it, it's just it sounds hilarious, and it kind of you know what you were talking about there in terms of uh, cleaning up kind of her assassinations. Um, you know, it's actually quite a useful skill to be a housewife to be able to clean up all of the the assassinations and everything. Oh yeah, I mean, um, so you it's know, a perfect match actually. You know, pulls out the rubber gloves and the bleach and the bucket, and it's like no big deal. You know, scrubbing because that's what she does. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Amazing. That is fantastic. Um, so, changing emotions. The next topic that comes up is what's the saddest or most upsetting comic you've ever read? Uh, well, lately it would probably be Saga. Yeah. Um, I do. I don't have the latest volume. I think I have to go check because mm. I know they're taking a hiatus. Right. Um, for a while. I can't blame them. They've been Oof. cranking this thing out. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, they keep killing characters. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> Going all George R.R. R. Martin on them. Uh, yeah, I hate to, I hate to, if someone hasn't, someone hasn't read it, but, I mean, I do still miss Lion Cat. Yeah. Um, Lion Cat was one of the best characters ever. No. And um, there were some other characters. Well, I'm not going to give away the big one that just happened at all, in case yeah. someone hasn't read the latest that's, volume. That's, that's but, um, that secret. We'll leave um, that secret out. Uh, but but the, for anybody that hasn't kind of heard of Saga, I mean, can't imagine there's too many people that haven't. Um, what's what, what's the setting of Saga and kind of the initial premise? Oh God, it's just so crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How did I don't even know how he pitched that. I, I can't even imagine that. I um, mean, I guess it's. I mean, it's it's for the listeners. It's a space opera uh, that, that basically starts off with a husband and wife that are kind of from warring from species. Two, two, two warring two warring planets. Uh, he was a prisoner. She was a guard, and they fell in love. Yeah, and. Their two worlds are basically chasing after them because they don't want those races to mix. And they had a child, and the uh, entire comic is essentially from the baby's point of view, mm-hmm. uh, and which is really fascinating. And and as she's growing up through through each volume, um, and her parents, it it is not safe for work. It is definitely R-rated and above. Yep. (laughs) 
It's not for the kitties at all. And then they have the robot kingdom, which is basically humanoids with monitors as heads, which is just really interesting. But it's a Mm -hmm. great way to visualize what they're thinking. And the whole thing is just so damn clever. But it's essentially about a family trying to stay together, running for their lives. Um, and all the people they meet along the way, and all the people that die along the way, which is um, the, the most upsetting part of the. Yeah, yeah. The they movie. they had a couple. I mean, Lion Cat was like, no. <laughs> How could you? Uh, and then there there was some really heart wrenching ones in the volume before this one uh, that you thought they were going to make it, and then they they didn't. So it was okay. it was sad. Yeah, really sad. Um and uh kind of changing emotions again, but staying slightly on that uh that course. Uh the scariest or most horrifying comic. You kind of alluded to that earlier. Yes. Uh Alien, yeah. Yes, which would be Alien. Um and it's is it because of the mixture of art and the and the tension of kind of uh the, the the alien kind of chasing us so ridley or yeah for for me it was like i mentioned before uh the colors because yeah. i knew the story really well and i was i've always been a fan of the story so you know having them get chased um i mean and yeah obviously the tension was very good that's that's a no no-brainer mm. um but i think the combination of of the art uh and the story was is something that can get to you absolutely and and how how big is it sorry do you remember alien like as a graphic novel that graphic novel yeah uh i mean obviously i don't have i gave it back so i don't have possession (laughs) not off the top of my head but it's it's not 20 pages i assume no no it's probably a, a good probably 80 to 100 must or more be. must be yeah yeah so a good a good block of uh very detailed and uh terrifying art basically yes yes <laughs> amazing um and so we, we we're going to change uh emotions again but become a bit more positive now um what's what's the most meaningful comic to you uh i guess i mentioned before um, saga, yeah. uh, because at its heart, it's about family mm. and it's about relationships, uh, some healthy, some not, um, and growth. Uh, you know, Brian Vaughn and, and Fiona Staples have just, they're kind of a, a artistic marriage made in heaven, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they, they bring out the emotions uh, really well and you know, it's just it's essentially it's about it's about relationships and and like any good story any good story is about relationships uh whether it be between uh people or aliens or two blocks of wood it doesn't matter as mm. you know as long as there's there's a real relationship there that people can identify with absolutely and and as a comic book writer uh, do you find it kind of a, a source of inspiration uh definitely yeah. definitely no there's 
there's quite a few out there. Like I mentioned, you know, Lady Killer is definitely a source of inspiration. Mm. Um, I wish actually. I wish I had written that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, well, there, awesome. there, there might be a new twist on it somewhere <laughs> that you could do down the line. Um, mm. or, or, you know, that you could do maybe some sort of um, kind of secret assassin in, in Boston metaphysical <laughs> somehow, maybe. Uh, maybe that's one to uh, to think about. Um, but um, uh, there, in... there actually is, not in the comics, but you'll see it in the prose. Oh, right. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Also, so you yeah. managed to get it in there. That's great. Excellent. Uh, well, maybe, maybe you'll, uh, you'll have to bring it to, uh, to the sequential art at some point in the future. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and, um, do you think with, with Saga that, that it's had a major effect on your, on your writing? Um, I, I don't know if it's it's so much as affected my writing is mm. is just a you know an, an inspiration to uh you know want to be that good kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Because um, yeah, it's it, it's amazing to see something um, so successful um, come out of um, of an indie comic like that, um, and uh, yeah, so much so that they've had to take a hiatus, as you say um coming up soon but uh yeah it's it's incredible to kind of <clears throat> aspire to to being that level of, of success as a creator really um and kind of speaking of kind of trying to aspire uh to be more successful what what do you think the most underrated comic is you know since i started comics so late I probably haven't read enough to answer that. Because um, I, I know there's... I am not as familiar with like the whole Marvel and DC universe like mm-hmm. many, 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 many people out there are. I'm, sure. I'm not. I've, I've, you know, I've read some basic stuff, but that, you know, Wonder Woman and some other things, but it's just not something that has appealed to me that much. So I haven't read that much. Um but obviously there's many many people out there who have um so it would it would be hard for me to answer that for sure um but um i think it'd be it'd be fair to say that um everything that's happening on kickstarter really is almost underrated cuz there are there are so many amazing indie creators on kickstarter that are kind of coming out of the woodwork and have done so um, over the past few years, that it's it's incredible, kind of the level of some some people's work, really, including your own. Um, I would completely agree with that. Um, about when Kickstarter first started was about seven years, seven ten years ago. Before mm-hmm. uh, people who were were backing initially backing were just throwing money like crazy because it was a new new thing, new and hot thing. And then uh, their rewards weren't getting delivered. And so they were getting burned. Um, so people started pulling back and being more um, discriminating on who they gave their money to, which forced creators to raise their game, to raise the bar. And I think every year the bar is being raised higher on comics on Kickstarter 
because it's just it's uh, tougher out there. Um, you need to be competitive. Uh, your page needs to look a certain way. It needs to say a certain thing. I liken it to a a grant proposal, but with pretty pictures. Yep, um, <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so backers are now looking for a certain uh, level of professionalism, and. Uh, I think I've helped give people that. Oh, for those of you who don't know, I've also written a um, crowdfunding book called Kickstarter for the Independent Creator. It's in its second edition. Um, I've had a lot of creators, you know, who knew nothing. It's, it's a great, you know, field guide, grassroots uh, book for those who are just coming into Kickstarter. Um, and there's some other great courses out there, like by, you know, Tyler James and Comics Launch and Russell Nolte, of course. Uh and every, I think all of us have helped raise everyone's game. I mean, I'm always learning stuff from Russell and Tyler. Sure. Uh, but I also read not, I guess, about a year or two ago that an article that considered Kickstarter to be the third largest independent publisher of comics. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? And but you're absolutely right. There's some phenomenal stuff. Um, you know, look at Skies of Fire and Glow by Ray Chow. Great. I mean, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's definitely out there. Uh, there's some really, really amazing stuff out there. Um, so yes, I agree completely with you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, superb, um, and so the uh, the conversation moves on to uh, for you. What's the best comic of all time? Oh, for me, um, it'd probably be a, a standoff between uh, Lock and Key or Monstrous. Oh, great! Yeah, uh, just because it's so rich. Mm. Um. That well, that also answers your other, your other question. But uh, yeah, they're just deep and rich, and you know, one is kind of a, a, a you know spooky family story, and mm-hmm. the other has a rich is a rich fantasy world. Um, it's it's almost like uh, in monstrous. It's the world is so rich. It's like reading a fantasy novel. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a reason why it's won so many awards. Fantastic! And if you could only choose one of those uh, comics, Lock and Key or Monstrous, which would you choose? Probably Monstrous. There you go. Boom. Yeah. So we've uh, we've we've gone into the apocalypse, and you're you're just taking a a, a full copy. Of, uh, of monstrous all of it um, and uh, what what weapon tool or useful item w- would you take along with with that uh, probably water f- purification tablets excellent yeah. yeah always a good idea because <laughs> you, you do not want to get E. coli <laughs> yeah that can get you I mean, that's the thing that can get you. As long as you can find water and uh, have water pur- purification tablets, you're gonna you're gonna survive for a while. Um, but it's so easy for water to be um, uh, contaminated 
that uh and then that'll that'll kill you probably worse than a zombie oh uh, yeah 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 it's gonna be a long long death um like that unfortunately um well thank you so much for your time today madeline it's it's been a real pleasure to to get to know you because um like most people in this world it's usually some form of uh, digital communications in terms of emails or tweets or whatever um so it's been a real pleasure um well thank you so much for having me on samuel i appreciate it oh it's quite all right um and and, and for the listeners that didn't catch it the first time where where can people find out more about you uh, the website, uh, bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com, and we also have a Kickstarter going on right now for our next standalone continuation in the series called The Spirit of Rebellion. So just go to Kickstarter and look up Boston Metaphysical Society, and we'll be right there. And that will be going on until February 22nd. Amazing. Um, and do you have any projects coming up in the future? Uh I'm trying to think. Yes. Um, my husband has been on me to write a trilogy of novels based on what I refer to as the house wars in the Boston metaphysical universe. It is my version of the American Civil War. Amazing. Uh, so I already started outlining that out in December. And once the Kickstarter's done, I hope to start actually writing that. Amazing. And then, uh, have you have you got a kind of a deadline in mind for that? Uh, it's done when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the great thing about being indie, right? Yeah. It all also depends on um, uh, the editor I use and, and her schedule and and things like that. So some things are end up out of my control, but so you just got to work with it. Straight up. Um, and then just out of interest, uh, do you have similar processes for, for writing a comic book script and a novel, or are they very two different beasts? Uh, they're somewhat similar in that if I have... Well, all my characters, I start with biographies. I do biographies of all my characters. So if I have new characters, um, which I do in the novels... Um, I do biographies on them, and then I have a, I do a basic outline. The difference is, is that for the comic, I'll have a basic outline, and then I'll go to a page breakdown. Uh, so I know, you know, how many, uh, how long, you know, how many pages a particular scene is going to take. So I'll do a, a page and scene breakdown for the comic, mm -hmm. and then I'll actually start writing the script. Uh, and then once this, the script is in solid shape to go to the artist, it, it goes to her. And then as the art comes in, I keep editing down dialogue. And I keep editing that. that it's a very layered process. So uh, until I get it down to the point where I like it, and then it goes to the letterer. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now in the spirit of rebellion because – uh, Gwen is finishing up on the last coloring the last few pages so I'm going through and editing uh, depending on uh, you know sometimes I have to edit because the the panel isn't big enough for the dialogue so it's a decision of do I really need that dialogue or do I need to move it so you know you have to work through those issues 
And uh, so I keep like streamlining, 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 streamlining <laughs> until it goes to Troy. And then I go revisit it again with Troy. And usually there's very little changes that I give to Troy because I, I don't like wasting my people's time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair so, enough. <laughs> I, you know, it's like unless it's something just like totally egregious, I there may be just little tweaks at that point. Because mm-hmm. um, I like to be respectful of the time of my artist and my letterer and everyone else involved. So I like to have everything as complete as possible before it goes to them. Um, and then I keep things a little bit more open with the novel because y'all do an outline and then I'll do a treatment, which is essentially like a seven to 10 page outline. Yeah. Uh, breaking down more of the different scenes, but I leave that open enough because when you're writing something that large, sometimes the character takes you someplace you didn't realize you were going to go. And so you need to be able to go there. And then if you need to edit it out later, you can, but you just go there, you do it. And, but as you know, writing is rewriting. So you just got to, yeah, you just got to get the damn first draft done. And then, <laughs> and then go back and just hack it apart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just try try and whistle it down as much as you can and kind of remove as much chaff as possible. Um, and then get somebody else to read it and then yeah, say, well, yeah, you could have done that and this and this. And it's like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, oh, yeah, beta <laughs> readers are, are, really, are really critical and... Um, you always want to try to get a beta reader who's a little bit better than you are. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> that helps. Plus, you learn and you get better. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. And that's what this game is all about, really. Uh, just about trying to improve things and everything. Um, well, thank you so much again, Madeline. It's, thank you. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Um, and uh, I'm just in awe about uh, Boston Metaphysical society and and what a success it's been um i wish you all 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 the luck for the future in that for future kickstarters and i hope that you uh, reach many more stretch goals in this campaign round great thank you very much my pleasure fantastic well um i'm i'm sure i'll see you on kickstarter very soon great fantastic bye for now bye bye Thanks again to Madeline for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. I found it absolutely fascinating. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe it helps others aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Madeline's work or follow her on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.